Hello, cruel world, and welcome to I Love This, You Should Too. Uh, my name is Indy, and with me, as always, is my lovely co-host, Samantha. Oh, hello there. <laughs> Were you surprised that they came in again? Yeah. All right. You guys always surprise me. How are you doing today, Sam? I'm good. I'm good. Finally recovered from the plague, so I'm oh. happy to be podcasting again yeah we took some time off because we were both very sick but sam definitely sounded much sicker than i was my lungs were not happy with me no so if i still sound gravelly that's why but today you're uh, treating yourself to a little drink what are what do we have today i am i feel like we always have to podcast with a beer so um we're drinking the six corners brew works trailhead ipa how is it it's, um, I'm not a huge IPA fan. It's kind of growing on me, though. I feel like IPAs dull your taste buds a little bit. Yeah, so. I, uh, I don't like it. Mm. If you like IPAs, I'm sure you're going to like this one, but I can't even just sit here and talk about what's good about it because yeah. it's, it's just too hoppy for me. It's piney, citrusy, and very hoppy. Well, I didn't get the pine. Hmm. Huh. You know I love those pine beers. Not me. Oh, I hate a pine beer. <laughs> but we'll save that for our other podcast, Beer Talk, with Sam and Indy. <laughs> oh, we should do that. That'd oh, be good. Oh, we should. Huh. Put it on the list. All right. <laughs> Indy, what are you watching right now? So last night, I watched a, um, a documentary about the making of Apocalypse Now. Have you ever seen Apocalypse Now? No, I haven't. It's a uh, it's a very good movie on its own. It's a Francis Ford Coppola movie, and it starred uh, Martin Sheen, Robert Duvall. There's a uh, 14-year-old Lawrence Fishburne in it. What? Yeah. He wasn't always a grown man? Yeah, but he was actually <laughs> then, he was Larry Fishburne. Larry? I think he was credited as Larry Fishburne in that huh. one. And Dennis Hopper, and like a bunch of other guys as well. It is... A notorious movie for how difficult the process of it was. Mm -hmm. Originally, they wanted to make it. It's a movie about the Vietnam War. And originally, they had wanted to make it in Vietnam while the war was happening. That seems like a bad idea altogether. (laughs) So they never got to do that. But at the time, just making a movie about the Vietnam War was, was novel and crazy to make a movie of something that was happening at the time. Right. And was still so controversial. But the, the movie I watched was is called um, Hearts of Darkness, A Filmmaker's Apocalypse. And it's just all about the, uh, the process of making it. So Francis Ford Coppola, who was the, the director of, mm-hmm. um, of Apocalypse Now, also did uh, The Conversation, The Godfather movies. Uh, his wife, Eleanor Coppola, was shooting behind the scenes stuff. And sometimes she was also recording audio when uh, her husband wasn't aware. And she got lots of really good stuff about this crazy journey. So when uh, when Francis Ford Coppola would talk about Apocalypse Now, he said, like, this is not a Vietnam War movie. This is Vietnam. This was our Vietnam. And you're like, yeah, sure, you're a movie maker. It's not war. <laughs> but then you see what actually happened. You'd be like, okay, that's probably as close as anyone gets. Because oh. um, it was something where everything went wrong that could. And it was kind of the process of making this movie was kind of the microcosm of the Vietnam War itself. So it was scheduled to be shot in six weeks. It took them 16. They shot 230 hours of footage for this two to three hour movie, depending on which cut you get. Coppola himself lost 100 pounds during the making of it. Uh, Martin Sheen had a heart attack and almost died. During the movie? During the movie. Wow. While they were making it, they got the Philippine... They shot it in the Philippines. They Mm -hmm. didn't actually go to Vietnam. 
and they got the Philippine government to lend them the use of their helicopters. So they were actual military pilots and military helicopters. That's crazy. At the same time, a civil war broke out, so the helicopters had to keep leaving to go and, Fight I guess, shoot people. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, it also starred, um, not starred, it also featured Marlon Brando. And if you read any story about Marlon Brando, you know he's like notoriously difficult to work with. He's. Um, I did not know that. Ooh, the stories about Marlon Brando. I could just get into a whole thing about um, uh, the island of Dr. Moreau and how the craziness of Marlon Brando ruined that movie. Oh, lots of things ruined that movie. That's for your other podcast, Marlon Time with Andy. Oh, that would be a good one. (laughs) Yeah, Marlon Brando, notorious, terrible human being and very difficult to work with. But so he made things very difficult. Um, There's this one part that I really love. There's this scene where Martin Sheen's character is kind of like drunk in a hotel room and he like punches a mirror and kind of has a breakdown and they show this from behind the scenes and it's all it's all real like martin sheen was going was an alcoholic at the time Hmm. and they got him really drunk he he they broke him down um francis ford coppola was yelling at him like look at you look what you are now meanwhile martin sheen is punching a mirror just cutting himself up bleeding all over himself rubbing the blood on himself and just sobbing and just sobbing and and sheen talks about it after and he, he just said like that that movie broke me i was a broken man and then i had to be rebuilt to be this character is that called method acting or like forced method acting yeah so method acting i guess is definitely in there this seems like it was something else because yeah. he that sounds like psychological torture it, it absolutely was and um it's pretty amazing to see and apocalypse now was a great movie and the making of it is perhaps more interesting than the movie itself oh. but i definitely recommend uh Hearts of Darkness, A Filmmaker's Apocalypse, and Apocalypse Now. So I haven't seen Apocalypse Now in quite a few years now, so this made me want to go want to go watch it again. Do I hear a future episode coming? Maybe. Well, we might get to it, but I think I'm still working on trying to get you things that are a little more accessible, although I think that might be a good one. Okay. But. Okay. Well, maybe, maybe look out for that, listeners. Yeah. One day, Apocalypse Now. <laughs> or it could be like we watch two things, the making of and the movie. Which could Ooh, also be done for um, Island of Dr. Moreau, and oh. there's a making of called uh, Lost Soul. Okay, so you're really into the like making of movies, movies. For certain movies, like for that one, the original director was fired, and then rather than like leave like a normal person, he uh, started living in a hut on the island where they were shooting, and then got into the cast as one of the background actors with a lot of makeup on, and... <laughs> Val Kilmer was in it and then he said no, I don't want this role I want that role and he changed his role Marlon Brando refused to stand or learn lines and always wanted to wear a bucket on his head because he's like oh my character is actually a dolphin it doesn't come up in the movie though <laughs> so yeah that was a pretty crazy one too but that's a story for another time okay what have you been uh, watching or listening to or reading lately well I uh, was homesick for a full week um, and so I had a lot of time, just me and my Netflix. So, uh, I've been watching Designated Survivor. That's like a Kiefer Sutherland is the president? Yes. Okay. So basically, and it's like, a, it's based on a real idea, mm-hmm. is that there's, um, anytime the entire government gets together, they pull one of the, like, 
kind of backbenchers, junior member kind of thing, and um, keep them in the, like, president's panic safety vault place where they put the president when there's, like, national security problems. Okay. Um, And uh, he and his family stay in there. And then if the entire government, or at least the, like, heads of the government are killed or something happens, uh, that man becomes the president. Okay. So so but, Kiefer Sutherland wasn't the president, but I guess he becomes it? In no, this? he was like a minister. I can't remember. Something transportation or parks or like something really minor away from like the main workings of the American government. Oh, it's like in Battlestar Galactica when everyone gets killed and then the minister of education has to be the president. That's basically <laughs> what happens. Um, so they blow up the, um, the federal building where they're having this huge meeting with pretty much the entire government. Like Who's the they? Who are the villains in this one? Um, Is it Islamic terrorists? No, it's oh. a homegrown terror cell. Nice. A little, little different. I like that. Yes, I like, I like the approach that they've taken because, of course, they investigate, you know, known terrorists and people who they suspect are terrorists in the States and then they realize that it's actually kind of a, a like, alt-right, like, crazy person who just wants to return the government to, you know, the good old days. So it has a lot of um, callings to kind of current day. Right. It's very, yeah. But his family is also very lovable, and I I actually really enjoy it. His wife is, like, this high-powered lawyer who doesn't give up her job when she becomes first lady, and uh, he's just, like, a normal guy who works in government. He was, like, a professor before, and he just got this job because he had a friend in in the White House. So throughout the show, it's less dealing with Kiefer Sutherland fighting terrorists and more of his, like, day-to-day of being president? Of being president, yeah. So he does do, like, presidential things. Like, in the latest episode that I watched, he flew to Afghanistan to have, like, secret meetings with a couple, like, heads of, like, religious groups Mm -hmm. to figure out what was going on there. And I won't spoil the show, but... um, he does a really good job being presidential, but also at the same time balances like, I don't know what I'm doing because I was never meant to be president. So, Oh, th- see, that sounds more interesting. I think maybe just because lately the only things I'd known Kiefer Sutherland for were, um, what's that terrorist show, 24? Mm-hmm. So I kind of th- must have conflated the two in my mind because I was like, oh, yeah, all, everyone gets killed by terrorists and then Kiefer Sutherland's a president and has to fight terrorists. Yeah, But I guess no. that's not it. Huh. No, he still deals with, like, national security stuff and the whole hunting of the people who blew up the federal building um, takes up a lot of season one and it's really interesting to kind of oh. to see him deal with that and to learn how to be president. How many seasons are there? Two or three. Okay. I think. So it's, it's still current? It's still going? Still current. I'm not sure if it's still going. I think it came out maybe like a year or two ago. But I remember the um, the like trailers that you see on TV. Um, like I was like, oh, that looks like it would be really good. And then it came out to Netflix. And, and then I stayed home for a week and I watched most of the first season. Huh. Yeah. So I think people at home, if you didn't already know, people at home... I guess you might be at home. You might be at work. Yeah, wherever. You might be on the bus. Um, If you didn't already know, that probably would have given away good clues that we are Canadian because we say the States, which I think only Canadians refer to the United States as just the States. I think so. 
And also, is backbencher a term in American politics, too? Oh, I don't know. That's a very Canadian term. You're right. It's a Canadian thing. I don't know if... Um, Backbenching. Yeah, you Americans out there can let us know if, uh, if, um, if that's a thing that you say. I don't know what the equivalent would be even in American politics. I don't know. So a backbencher is somebody that doesn't hold a minister title and is usually younger members of government. There you go. There's your uh, Canadian, Canadian <laughs> terminology for the day. Uh, yeah. And then when people talk about Canadian accents, you can tell them, like, this is what a Canadian accent is. So I'm sure there are people in the States. The States. <laughs> who are currently yelling at their phones saying, um, this is what they're actually called. I listened to a podcast um, from the States uh, this week where they called them loonies and doonies. Called who loonies and doonies? The, um, are like one and two dollar coins here in Canada. Oh, right. <laughs> loonies and doonies. And I was sitting at work and at my desk, I actually said out loud, it's called a toonie. A toonie because it's two dollars. Because it's two dollars. So loony, toonie. Yeah. Looney is called, uh, it's a one dollar coin. It's it has a, a picture coin. of a loon on it. That's yes. why they were called loonies. And then we kind of just ran with that, even though the toonie has a polar bear on it. Yes, it does. It's very cute. It's my it's- favorite Canadian coin. It's pretty adorable. It's got two-tone metal. Google it. Google a toonie. Yeah, and if you want to hear more about Canadian coins, join (laughs) us on our other podcast, Currency Now with Sam and Indy. (laughs) We also have a coin. People will think we're making this up. There's a glow-in-the-dark dinosaur skeleton coin. Yes. And there's like multicolored ones. Pretty cool things with our coins. (laughs) All right. Well, again, we'll save that for Currency Now. Currency Talk? Whatever it was called. (laughs) None of these are real podcasts, but if you want to uh, have us start that podcast, you can email us. Yeah, or if you send us money, I'll do whatever podcast. It's I'll podcast true. on anything. Pay for pay for the hosting, and we'll uh, we'll just sit here and podcast all day. Yeah, but now for uh, kind of the main point of this podcast. Again, if you're not familiar with how this works, uh, Samantha and I have pretty different tastes in uh, pop culture in general, and each episode we suggest a movie to the other. Something that they don't know, something that they normally wouldn't watch, and we get them to watch it, and then we talk about it. So today, it's my turn to bring a movie to you, which we will then watch together and talk about it on the next episode. Okay, I'm excited. Uh, last episode was Bring It On. Which which I enjoyed. I did enjoy. I liked okay, that good. One. I'm glad. And it was fun to kind of let you experience something that I that I love. And I um, guess it's only been two movies so far, but we're two for two in like liking the other so, person's yeah. movie. I think so, yeah. The first one was Sixth Sense. So if you haven't listened to those, go back and listen to them because they're, uh, they're good. Yeah, I assume. I'm I, not going to listen to them. I was there. I was there. I, uh, I don't like listening to the sound of my voice, so I, I uh, will listen to probably the first ten minutes and then turn it off. See, the bad thing is I have to listen to each one probably like six or seven times because I edit it. Oh, see, so you're going to listen it. to them anyway. Yeah, I listen to them a lot. But for next episode's movie... So picture this. It's 1982. Mm-hmm. Neither of us are born. <laughs> True. But good things were happening. Okay. The dark ages of American cinema in the 70s, dark in the very good sense, that they were dark and gritty are over. With the 80s comes brightness, comes Rocky, comes Star Wars, E.T., We're Born. <laughs> So there's definitely been a turn to leave that dark, gritty stuff of the of the 70s and late 60s for for happier, sometimes fluffy, but sometimes um, really good stuff. But then comes a movie called Blade Runner. Oh, 
So Blade Runner was released in 1982, uh, the same year as things like um, E.T. was the big one of the year. Mm-hmm. And E.T. made, this is off the top of my head, but I'm going to say like $800 million that year. Blade Runner, we now know of it as a kind of a... Um, as a seminal movie for sci-fi, for cyberpunk. But at the time, do you want to guess? I know you hate this part of guessing how much a I movie do, made. I do, because I have no idea well, how much. Well, E.T. Like... the same year made uh, $800 million. Um, $350 million. Blade Runner, again, off the top of my head, made about $32 million. Thirty-two million. Thirty-two million. Oh. Blade Runner was not a success. It was like a little baby movie that people loved after. Kind of. So it had a um, a budget of I think twenty-seven million, made thirty-two. So just barely made made back its own money. Oh, interesting. And at the time, it was received as kind of slow-paced, doing sci- style over substance and. There were, of course, people saying like, oh, in the future, people will look on this as being something good. And we do. Yeah, absolutely. I definitely think we do. This is another one that I've heard of, but don't actually really know all that much about. It's another one like The Sixth Sense that it's like kind of known in pop culture. And I think there was a newer one made recently. Yeah. So there was a sequel, which was crazy to me because it's not... A movie I ever thought would have or should have a sequel. Right. And we were talking about going to see it in the theater, but since you hadn't seen the first one, I said, no way, absolutely (laughs) not. Not until we watch Blade Runner. Okay. So uh, let's get a little feel for it first. We're going to watch the original trailer from 1982. Excellent. The trailer is about three and a half minutes, so I'm going to show Samantha the whole thing, but when you're listening at home, you'll probably just hear a little clip of it. But you can look it up and watch it quite easily. So let's watch the trailer for Blade Runner. This is a bad one. Worst yet. There was an escape from the off-world colonies two weeks ago. Six replicants. Three male, three female. A Blade Runner's job is to hunt down replicants. Manufactured humans you can't tell from the real thing. What's this? Roy Batty. Probably the leader. There was just one outfit making replicants that superhuman. The Terrell Corporation. Mr. Deckard, Dr. Eldon Terrell. I don't get it, Tyrell. Commerce is our goal here at Tyrell. More human than human is our motto. I was looking for six replicants in a city of 106 million people. You ever see this girl, huh? Never seen a buzzer. What I didn't know was they were looking for me. Okay. So, what do you think? Um, it's very darkly lit. I actually stopped it halfway through and turned up the brightness on the iPad and it wasn't and I said, like, no, that's that's the movie. It didn't make it any better. So, um, Also, this was the trailer from 82, which looked like it was pulled off of VHS or something, so that doesn't help. Oh, yeah, that's probably part of it. So what are you expecting after seeing that? What did you expect before you saw that, I guess I should have asked? I kind of thought it was about space. Mm-hmm. And some kind of, like, police force. Okay, neither of those are entirely wrong. Okay, yeah. So... But now that you've seen it, what are you expecting from the movie? Um, I think it'll be really interesting. And I like Harrison Ford. Yeah. 
Um, it was so dark throughout the trailer. It took like three quarters of the trailer for me to actually see his full face and realize it was Harrison Ford. Right. But um, I, I do like him. Uh, there was a lot of bleached hair. Yeah, that that's true. It still was made in the 80s. Yes, yeah, you're right, you're right. Um, also, the line, time to die, is that like a Blade Runner thing? Because I feel like I've heard that before. I think that is one that maybe isn't necessarily from Blade Runner. It's just a thing people say. I don't know if that's like a quote that's Blade Runner specific. Okay, yeah, I just know I've heard it before. Yeah. I don't know if it's like a like a thing. What time is it? Time, time to, to die. die. Yeah, there we go. Um, I like the idea of the more human than humans. Oh, yeah. There are the replicants. I think that's kind of neat because I guess it's a topical thing that's happening right now. It's like trying to clone and... Oh, yeah, yeah. You know, worried that robots are going to take over the world if we make them too intelligent. Yes. So, I don't know. I think that that could be cool. That very much, yeah. Um, I think I picked this movie. First, it's, I think it's great. It's Mm -hmm. a movie I've only actually seen twice. I saw it once as a teenager and didn't really appreciate it. And then I saw it once probably six years ago, maybe. And I watched it. I sat down. And often if I'm watching a movie by myself, like a lot of people, which is probably bad, I have something else on the go. I'm on my phone or I'm looking at something. But I started watching it. And about 15 minutes in, I thought very distinctly, like, oh, this is something special. And I just sat and just watched it, and then I at the end I was like, "Yeah, that there's this is a special movie. There, it's it's a, another level up from the majority of the movies I see." Okay. Uh, next, that it takes place in 2019, so <laughs> it takes place now. Oh yeah, like six months from now. Yeah. Yeah. Something like that, and I love seeing how the past thought the future would look. Yes. Because it's often very uniform. Like Mm -hmm. in the 70s, so much of the future was uh, shiny and bright. And we have a lot of austere white futures now. Mm -hmm. But Blade Runner, I think part of what makes it special and what it makes it hold up is it took a very different look at it. It often is called like retrofitted future. I think that's what they say. Or just like a retro future vibe. Right. That there's a lot of things in it that harken back to movies from the 50s. It's considered a neo-noir, meaning that it's of the film noir style, but made in a in a different era. Oh, okay. And I think this is a great movie because eventually we're going to be going back to film noir. And then <laughs> be- we're going to go back to German expressionism before that. And usually we would start at the beginning and work our way forward. But I think it's a lot easier for um, most of the audience to start with something that's a little more accessible. For like someone like Blade Runner. doesn't have a film degree. Yeah. Yeah. So it's, yeah, it's important in a lot of ways. And the, the vision of the future is kind of what makes it stand out. And there's, like you were saying about cloning and about robots, mm-hmm. there's a lot of philosophical stuff in Blade Runner that you can talk about of just like what it is to be human. Okay. I'm excited about this. I think it's going to be really interesting. The other reason I chose this just now is I finally read the novel called uh, Do Androids Dream of Electric Sheep, which was written by Philip K. Dick, which is what this is based on. Oh, interesting. I didn't know it had a book. Yeah, it's loosely based. Okay. Both are great in their own right, but I think if you look at it just as an adaptation of the novel, you'll think it failed because it doesn't do a lot of the same things, but they're oh, both okay. just really good. So and it's like the idea of that book. 
Yeah. Some of the ideas. And they made it into a movie. Yes. Okay. That's cool. I like, I almost like that better just because I feel like I've read a lot of books and then watched the movie adaptation and really been angry after leaving the theater because it wasn't exactly what I read. Yeah. And I think if your only expectation is for something to be like the book, you're Mm going to be disappointed. So one of my favorite examples of that, like taking the idea of the book is Mean Girls. Oh, what's is it's the book called? Based Mean on Girls? Queen Bees, and it's like a it's like a self help book for parents that um, deals with like how mean teenage girls are to each other and like the social hierarchy in high school. Mm-hmm. And it's it's a self help book. It's not it's not a novel or anything. There's no actual story to it. And then Tina Fey took it and turned it into Mean Girls, which everyone loves. So oh, yeah, interesting. it's uh, it's kind of neat to just take something like that and turn it into like a story but just keeping the idea so i'm excited that blade runner is one of those kinds of things yeah because in the book there was um a whole bunch about this religion that the people have of the time and the importance of animals and that's not even in the movie but the thing that it takes from the movie is there are androids or replicants Mm -hmm. that can look just like humans and there's someone whose job is to they call it retire them, but to, to kill them. Oh, man. Yeah, so that's the thing that's in both of them. Okay. And I think the other thing I really love about Blade Runner is that it's something that wasn't entirely appreciated at its time. But then mm. people people smartened up and they're like, oh, no, wait, this is great. And that kind of gives me hope for a lot of things today when I go watch something. I was like, why isn't anyone talking about this? And nobody <laughs> cares. So maybe in 20 years, everyone will realize how great it is. I bet that's what's going to happen. The filmmakers of today are just too smart. Yeah. Well, a lot of them are too dumb. <laughs> um, okay. Well, next episode. Yes. We're going to discuss, because I will have seen Blade Runner by then. Indy will tell me why I should love the movie. Yes. And one more thing. I know I keep going on and on <laughs> about Blade Runner, but this is actually important for watching it. Uh, there are multiple versions of Blade Runner out there. Oh. There's a theatrical cut, a sometimes called the international cut, a director's cut, and the final cut. So what are we watching? We are going to be watching the final cut, which if out there you have a choice, I recommend you see that one. Okay. And I recommend you avoid the theatrical cut. Okay. So the trailer we saw was for the theatrical cut, which had Harrison Ford doing voiceover. That is completely taken out in the version we're going to see, and I think rightfully so. But we'll talk more about that, I think, on the next episode. But we're going to be watching the final cut. Okay, so everyone go get the final cut of Blade Runner. And uh, I guess email us. Let us know if you're excited about this episode. Let us know if you um, have more thoughts about Blade Runner, or if you've read... Do robots dream? Do androids oh. dream of electric sheep? <laughs> yes, there Not we go. Not the best title. No, I just knew it was something about electric sheep. Yeah. Um, and uh, if you want us to make any of those podcasts, email us. Oh, yeah, yeah. <laughs> Pay us for our uh, talking about coins from around the world. And Canadian parliamentary procedures. Oh, that one, I wouldn't even listen to that. <laughs> um, what was the other one? Marlin with Indy. <laughs> Marlin? Marlin time. Marlin Brando. Oh, and our beer podcast. <laughs> and our beer podcast. I would actually listen to that. Sippin' Suds with Sam and Indy. Ooh, I like that. That's a good... Uh, <laughs> that's not bad. That's a really good title for it. And this episode was sponsored by Clouds. 
Hey, Sam, are you ever out on a sunny day, but you just can't find any shade? Always. Well, thanks to clouds, you can have shade wherever you go. Clouds, they're like giant rain beasts in the sky. And where can people find us if they want to contact us? So you can email us at I love this, you should, and the number two at gmail.com. You can tweet at us at I-L-T-Y-S, number two. And you can contact us on Facebook at I Love This, You Should Too Podcast. We will uh, see you soon. And uh, cheers. Cheers. Oh, that wasn't a good cheer sound.